The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Uh. Check it out now. Uh. No doubt now. Good Monday morning to you. It is a numbers game right here at VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network, Series XM Channel 204, VEASAN.com, the VEASAN app, Fubo, Sling, and Game Plus. How you doing? How was your weekend? Uh, Betting-wise and otherwise, Jason Kahn is here as well. How you doing, Jason? Good? Good. Good morning, Gil. Um, Guessing lines today. Guessing lines in the National Football League for week number seven. Wow. We're moving along. Uh, Plus, we'll talk about baseball, uh, the Dodgers game last night. Interesting non-pitching move that wasn't mentioned during the broadcast last night. I'm curious uh, what people think about that. Uh, Lomachenko and Lopez, <laughs> talk about the judging there. Uh, but let us talk week seven of the National Football League. And as always, for those who are just landing on this show for the first time on Mondays during football season, you're like, what's this guessing line stuff? Uh, I'm in a cocoon since yesterday. This is a tribute to the old Stardust radio show uh, that Roxy Roxborough was involved in back in the day. Chrissy Andrews comes on, tells me after my guess what the line is that he's going to post right after the show at the South Point Hotel Casino. And hopefully within that exercise, we find ourselves, uh, the uh, we, we extract some value, I should say, from the exercise itself. Let us bring in the star of the show. He is the South Point Hotel Casino Sportsbook Director, my mishpucha, Chrissy Andrews. Good morning, Chris. What's going on, pal? <laughs> Leafing through pages. What are you doing over there? No, I'm getting my notes where they should be. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I like show prep. Thanks for the show prep. Yeah, okay. Uh, let's start with, uh, let me just real quick, uh, Survivor over at Circa, Jason, 409 people submitted. Supposed to be 410, but I think somebody forgot again. 409. 56 went out yesterday, 51 of which were with the Patriots. So we are down to, by my count, 351. Um, with the Dolphins and Colts being the big winners yesterday for survivors. Colts obviously put a scare into people. But uh, so 351 left heading into tonight. I don't think anybody, there's one person who has the Chiefs tonight, but that's about it. Uh, Chrissy, how was your weekend as a book here at the South Point? Uh, it was pretty incredible. 
<laughs> yeah, we're talking like Super Bowl type wins you guys, for uh, for Sunday and Saturday was great too. You pretty much won on everything. What was your biggest winner? Our biggest winner, oh, probably, oh yeah, it had to be the Green Bay Tampa game last night. Yeah, that was the biggest game. Wow, all right, that was. I went three and two in the yeah. contest. Three and two. Uh, who let me down was the Ravens, which had no business losing that. That was just ridiculous. That's that's why the NFL is plinko, uh, pre-flop ATS. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other one that I uh, lost on was Carolina, who let me down. That was just a bad pick. But um, those are the only those are the only two. So interesting that that was the game because I had Tampa Bay. But interesting that that was the game that uh, was the big winner for you. Shall we begin with uh, Thursday night football, sir? Thursday night football. Well, a real barn burner. Giants and the Eagles. Giants and the Eagles. Oh, I don't get any better than this. Kind of does, actually. <laughs> uh, Giants win yesterday 20 to 19. Well, we're going to talk about coaching decisions today on this show. Uh, let's start with the Washington football team. Giants beat the Washington football team 20 to 19. When Riverboat Ron Rivera elected to go for two after uh, the football teamers cut it to 20 to 19 on a Kyle Allen to Sims touchdown pass with 36 seconds left. So I don't know if this is one of these situations where Riverboat Ron felt the need to live up to his name. You know, that's that's always something that, that you wonder about. You're like, you know, you don't have to be Riverboat every time. Uh, but he decided we're going for the win even though really the only reason the Giants were up was because of a uh, an offensive turnover on the football teamer's part. And so it looked like they were in control of the game, but yet they went for it, didn't get it, and so the New York Giants off the schneid get their first win of the year. Daniel Jones, just to illustrate how you know Washington really had this game, uh, probably the advantage in this game. Daniel Jones, 12 of 19 for 112 yards passing. He gained 74 yards on the ground. I don't know that I recall seeing a stat line like that too often. 240 total yards for the Giants in their win against Washington. They were 7-11 on, uh, 7-4-11 on third downs. At least they did that right. And then there's Philadelphia, who I mentioned. Uh, for those of us who had Baltimore against the spread yesterday, my goodness, what a rough, rough uh, outcome that was. Carson Wentz was 21 of 40 for 213, two touchdowns, no picks. He was sacked six times. But that's his final line. He was two of seven for three yards with under five minutes left in the first half. Two of seven for three yards, no touchdowns, no picks, sacked three times with under five minutes left in the first half. Then seven of 14 for 54 yards at the half. By the way, it's Gil Alexander, Chrissy Andrews, guessing lines right here uh, on a numbers game at VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. No first downs for the Eagles on their first six drives of the game. Miles Sanders did fill up the box score, 9 of 118, had that one big run. Travis Fulgham, 6 for 75 and a touchdown. It's the Eagles' worst start since 1998. So it's the 1 in 5 Giants against the 1 4 and 1 Eagles. And with an Eagles win and a Cowboys loss, the Eagles could be leading the division. <laughs> Just wanted to point yeah. that out. The I was going to say, they're both yeah. right in the thick of the division race. You know, we're laughing, but which they, is, they both are. Yeah. yeah, which, Chrissy, is another real reason. What you just said right there to me is why Washington probably shouldn't go for two there also. It's not like your season's over. Try to just push it into overtime. Uh, I'll say Philly minus seven against the Giants. Uh, you're a little high. It's a six and a half, which... Uh... Uh, my power, oh, actually, I'm sorry. It, there's a little bit of six and a half, almost all six, um, which is what I'm going to open it. My power ratings come to 
Uh, Eagles three without the home field advantage. And I guess we're starting to see that home field is meaning a little something. So I have no beef with the six. But two things I want to comment on. You know what I didn't understand was the first time the Eagles went for two. They're down 17 nothing. They score, make it 17-6, go for two to cut it to nine. I, I didn't understand that. Uh, and it seemed like they were then chasing that point the rest of the way, you know. And, uh, I, yeah, yeah, listen, I, I go. I know the two-point, you know, evangelicals that are out there and, uh, the, you know, that it's better. I'm not sure it's better always, and I think we saw some examples of it yesterday. The other thing I just want to say, and I started thinking about this yesterday, and I know I watch college football probably a lot more than you do, but I was thinking between Daniel Jones and Mitchell Trubisky, you know, watching these guys, there was never a moment when I was oh. thinking, oh my God, these guys are really going to be stars I in the NFL. I, say all the team, time. I got to go after these guys. You know, I, I don't know if they wowed them in the, you know, in Indianapolis, you know, that camp and stuff. I, I guess they did, but never watching them play football were you just blown away by their uh, incredible talent. So I don't know. That, no, that was my thought as I, I'm watching Jones yesterday. With regard to Trubisky, I mean, I say it, I, I've said it a hundred times where it's like Deshaun Watson is there on display for the entire yeah. country to see, right? And beats Alabama, the vaunted Alabama defense when their defense was spectacular, right? Beats them in the national championship. But yet you're enamored by this guy who had 13 starts at North Carolina. Like it's the strange, it's the strangest thing in the world yeah. what people convince them of uh, themselves of. And here's Daniel Jones, a really high draft pick for the Giants. I don't know if we're at Darnold level, level yet uh, in terms of, of, of thinking to go elsewhere, but uh, soon enough we will be if this continues. Yeah, I, I, I don't think we're at Darnold level yet, you know, but, um, you know, we, we need to see some improvement. I can tell you that. Yeah, so six and a half. Uh, and That's I what? haven't seen any signs of it. I'm going to open six. I like six. Better. Six. Okay. Yeah, I haven't seen any signs I'm of it either. Six, yeah. uh, and I'm with you. Just to comment on your on your remark about you know the Eagles going for uh, going for two early, I just think, and I've said this on this show before too, which is coaches seem, with the exception of one or two of them, which we'll talk about later, because they're just so leaps and bounds above the rest of their coaching cohorts. But most of these coaches seem to now it's it's gotten into their brain. It's almost like they're like, okay, am I supposed to do? What if I do? What do I do here? Yeah. I know I want to sound smart. I want to look smart. I don't want to be, you know, skewered in the press tomorrow. So I think I'm supposed to go for two here. So that's what we're gonna do. Like it just seems that arbitrary sometimes. It's like the blackjack player was, you know, it's like if you have the 16, you know how some there are some blackjack players who are like, ah, eh, this time I'm gonna hit. Ah, eh, this time I'm gonna just, you know, I'm gonna sit on it. It's like <laughs> at least be consistent through, right? Like just. Give me that much, but you don't see that with these coaches. They'll they'll just sort of do what they want to on a whim. Um, so I didn't think, yeah, I'm, I'm I didn't think that that was necessarily the way to play it, and I certainly didn't think Riverboat Ron should have gone for it there. But Eagles six is what you're going to put up. I had seven. All right, Eagles six. Yeah, I, you know, I, w- I wouldn't want to go too high with anything on either one of these teams. You know, just looks. All right, I don't know. Seven would be a mountain to climb. It's Chris Andrews at Andrews Sports, by the way. We rarely say your Twitter, Chrissy. At Andrews Sports, author of Then One Day, available where all books are sold, including Amazon, of course. Uh, how, Sunday, how many afternoon games? Are we doing the two-afternoon game thing again this week? 
I think we have three. One, two, three. Yeah, we have three afternoon games. Oh, Jason's four? Had, Jason's have four? One, two, three. Yeah, I'm sorry. Jason's right. It is four. I missed the Seahawks. All right. Yeah. I like that distribution. All right. What's first on Sunday morning? Should I re? Cleveland at Cincinnati. Cleveland at Cincinnati. NFC, oh, excuse me, AFC North. Cleveland loses, and I do mean lose, badly uh, to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Cleveland loses that game by the score of 38-7 uh, to 7 as three-point dogs. Money came in on Cleveland as game time approached. They lose 38-7. to 7. Yeah. Uh, Baker Mayfield, 10 of 18 for 119. One touchdown, two picks, sacked four times. He was taken out of the game for Case Keenum in this one. Case Keenum was 5 for 10 for 46, uh, but the Browns were 1 of 12 on third downs. They were 0 for 3 on fourth down. They only had 220 total yards of offense. They were minus 2 in turnovers, just a recipe for disaster. Uh, Pittsburgh was one of mine yesterday. Cincinnati was up on the Colts 21 to nothing. And for those of us who had the Dolphins and Survivor, this was a tough one to watch the Colts come back because a lot of people had the Colts and Survivor. Joe Burrow, future Hall of Famer, 25 of 39. That's what my buddy Matt Brown calls him uh, on primetime action. 25 of 39 for 313. No touchdowns, one pick, two sacks. Uh, T. Higgins' his biggest target once again, 6 for 125. Bengals were 8 of 17 on third down, 2 of 2 on fourth down. They're 0-16-1 in their last 17 road games, for those who like uh, longer stats from even before Joe Burrow was around with the Bengals. 0-16-1 last 17 road games. It's their third loss this season, the Bengals. Third loss this season by five points or fewer. And under Zach Taylor now, they're 3-18-1. 3-18-1. Outscored by the Colts 31-6 after leading 21 to nothing, as I said yesterday. Uh, I will say Cleveland is a... This is not going to be that high. I'll say Cleveland minus three at Cincinnati. It's three and a half. I see two places, three with uh, 25 cent juice on the Browns. Uh, I'm going to open three and a half. You know, Gil, if you remember at the beginning of the year, I said, not that Cincinnati is going to win a lot of games, but they're going to cover a lot of numbers as a dog. And they did yesterday. Uh, that stat that you threw out earlier about their losses by five points or less, yeah. I think that goes to prove it. Uh, my power ratings come to five on Cleveland, again, without the home field advantage. Um, I don't give Cincy much, but you know, I, I think three and a half is like okay to start with. But you know, you look back at Baker Mayfield, still incredibly inconsistent. And Joe Burrow, uh, what at 79.3 was his QBR yesterday. So, you know, they blew that game. You know, I'm still not sure about Taylor as a coach, um, but they blew that game. But that was not Joe Burrow's fault in any way. He played, I thought he played really well, <clears throat> certainly enough, well enough for them to win that game. Uh, three and a half. I think I'd probably be looking at dog in this game, but you know, I know if I open three, they'll just, you know, flood me with the minus three. So I'm going to open three and a half, keep an eye on it. But I think three is probably a little bit of a better number in this game. Three and a half to me would be a uh, take or pass for sure with uh, Cleveland or yeah. with Cincinnati. Yeah. So I see it. Uh, were you surprised by your Steelers yesterday? Yeah. You know, 
what you gave the stat, what was Cleveland on third down? And, you know, boy, did I hear it from Steeler fans this last week. <laughs> I mocked their defense <laughs> that I didn't like the way they were playing. And the guys were giving me all these statistics. Yeah, but I know what I was seeing. They they weren't making a lot of big plays when they needed to. And I, I don't have the number right in front of me, but their third down conversion rate as a defense was not very good. And that's probably what they came into my mind. I'm looking to get them, get the opposition off the field. They weren't always doing that, but they certainly did that yesterday. You know, Minka Fitzpatrick, which I never had much doubt in, but a lot of guys were saying he wasn't playing that well this year. And he had the big interception return for a touchdown that really kind of set the tone for the game. And uh, I think Minka is terrific myself. So I, I, I think he was well worth trading a number one draft choice for. So uh, I heard it by, by a lot of Steelers fans, but they did shut down Cleveland on third down. And that was the most impressive thing about that, uh, about their defense yesterday. Very, very consistent. And they, they really bottled up Mayfield pretty good. Boy, did Minka turn his career around, like, immediately after that trade, as soon as he put on a Steelers uniform. Uh, one for, just to repeat, yeah. Cleveland, one of 12 on third downs yesterday and 0 for 3 on fourth. And again, third down conversion rates, both offensively and in terms of defensive prevention of it, probably more a thing that regresses to a mean than necessarily predictive. By the way, Cincinnati, just to repeat their stat, third loss this season by five points or fewer. They're one, four, and one. But three of those four losses by five points or fewer. And then obviously the tie as well. Uh, let's do one more here. One more. Uh, Dallas against your Washington football team. Dallas at Washington. Well, Dallas hasn't played. Uh, they will play tonight, by the way, two games tonight, of course. I should say one game this afternoon, really, uh, Pacific time. Yeah. It's a it's a 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific start between the Chiefs and the Bills. What an awkward time. Awkward just in terms of a time we're not used to having a game start on a Monday. 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific between Kansas City and Buffalo. The Chiefs are five-and-a-half-point favorites in the first of two tonight in the National Football League to close out Week 6. And then it's Arizona-Dallas, uh, the originally scheduled Monday nighter. Remember, Kansas City-Buffalo postponed because Buffalo-Tennessee um, had to get postponed, and then it's just a whole domino effect. Um Arizona-Dallas tonight, Dallas is a one-and-a-half-point favorite. So we get to see Andy Dalton start here. Not we get to, but sadly we see Andy Dalton start because of Dak Prescott's season-ending injury. So we don't know about Dallas. We do know, as we just mentioned about uh, Washington yesterday, losing to the Giants, had the chance to uh, tie it and force what probably would have been overtime. Instead, they go for two and they miss. And so Washington's one and five. Dallas leads the NFC East at two and three headed into tonight's game. By the way, Kyle Allen yesterday for Washington, 31 of 42 for 280, two touchdowns, one pick, sacked three times. Terry McLaurin always needs a mention for any Washington box score, seven catches, 74 yards. Uh, I'll say sight unseen for the Cowboys tonight. I'll say it's Dallas minus four, Chrissy. A lot of numbers out there. Uh, a low of three with some juice on the favorite and a high of four. I see it all over the place. Now, you know, if anybody was listening last week, I, I told everybody I loved the Cowboys this week. Uh, they were a two-point dog. They've now gone to – I'm, I'm still running one at uh, South Point. Uh, it's one or one and a half. Uh, so a pretty big turnaround as far as the number goes. But I expect Dallas to play well tonight. Um, but still, my numbers only come to a four-point differential, again, with no home field advantage. And I'm not sure Washington 
has ever had a, a home field ever. advantage with that new stadium. Ever. Yeah, I mean, their their home field is essentially zero. Uh, but as a placeholder, I'm going to open at three and a half, see how that goes. Um, I think that that's an okay starting point. Uh, but we'll see how Dallas plays tonight. But like I said, I expect Dallas to play well tonight. I think Andy Dalton's going to uh, be a, a very capable substitute uh, for Dak Prescott. I can't imagine. Again, we don't know what's going to happen with the Cowboys tonight. God forbid there's any more injuries for them. But I'm just saying, Dallas minus three, if that's what some have out there against Washington, seems like an auto auto play on Dallas to me. And I know Dallas's defense is terrible, but it's not like yeah, that's the thing. It's not like Washington has the offense to exploit that though. Right. You know, so it's, it's sort of weakness against weakness. And then if you look at the other side of the ball, I'll take, I'll take Dallas's offense, despite how good Washington's defensive front can be. I'll take Dallas's offense in that. So Dallas, uh, you're putting up minus three and a half. You said, I'm using three and a half, but see, I, I would I would take a little bit of issue with that. I think Dallas's defense is just so bad, and Washington, you know, I mean, these guys are still professional athletes that were uh, stars through high school and college. Uh, you know, you face a defense as bad as Dallas has been, and it's been bad. I think they could put up some points, so I, I, I'm not sure I'd automatically lay the three, but the public might, especially if Dallas looks good tonight. All right, um, I lied. Let's try one more here. Okay, Detroit at Atlanta. Detroit at Atlanta. Detroit beats Jacksonville yesterday in a game that I probably saw three plays of. Detroit beats them 34-16. to 16. They crush them as three-point favorites. A lot of turnovers for Jacksonville, or a lot of big turnovers in that game. Um, let's see here. Detroit at Jacksonville. Detroit at Atlanta is the pick. So Detroit yesterday, Stafford. Stafford, 19 of 31 for 223. One touchdown, one pick, sacked zero times. DeAndre Swift, greatest name ever. 14 for 116 on the ground, two touchdowns. Galladay, four for 105. Uh, Detroit's time of possession advantage over Jacksonville, 35-57 to 24-03. Consecutive road wins for the first time since November 2017 for the Detroit Lions. Congratulations to them. And then there's Atlanta, which got off the schneid. Atlanta with their first win of the year. They crush Minnesota, 40-23. to uh, Matt Ryan, 30 of 40 for 371, four touchdowns, no picks, sacked two times. Julio Jones, eight for 137, two touchdowns. They were nine of 17 on third down, three for three on fourth, 462 total yards. They were plus two in turnovers, and they had the ball for over 40 minutes versus the Vikings, 407 to 1953. And I said Atlanta minus four. What say you? You're a little high. It's, uh, Almost a blanket three. I feel a little bit of three with some juice on the favorite. I gotta say, I like that number better. My 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 numbers have these two teams at uh, exactly even. Now, if we're gonna look at yesterday's game, you know, I thought Stafford looked really good. As a matter of fact, the whole De- De- Detroit team, particularly their offense, I thought looked really good. But they played a very bad Jacksonville team, who I think all of us had uh, earmarked as the worst team in the league before the season started. Of course, the Jets have blown them away as far as that goes. But I think you also look at Atlanta against Minnesota. And again, their offense looked great, but it's looked great pretty much all year. First game under Raheem Morris is their head coach. So I think that probably gave him a little bit of a psychological edge. But also, is Minnesota any good? I think we're conditioned to think that they are, but I don't I don't think they are. I think that's been... 
certainly one of the big disappointments uh, so far this year. So I think you're seeing two teams that came off impressive wins against highly unimpressive opponents. And I think we're just conditioned to think Atlanta is a little better because their offense has been so much better for so much longer uh, that I think, uh, I think the public probably will lay the three, but I'm going to open three and I'm willing to take a bet there. And I, I think the Lions are very live in this spot. I, I, they lay me the three. I think that's going to be fine. I'm certainly willing to take a bet there. These are pretty logical lines. The, the, the guesses so far have not been far off on these. And your point about Minnesota is well taken. Kirk Cousins yesterday, 24 of 36 for 343, three touchdowns, three picks. But those three picks were all in the first half. Uh, it's the first time he's ever in his illustrious interception-throwing career, uh, and he was on an epically historical pace. People who forget his early days with uh, Washington, epically historical interception pace uh, before the uh, you-like-that game against the Buccaneers, which sort of yeah. just flipped his career. Uh, this is the first time he's ever thrown three interceptions in the first half ever. He has had 20 multiple interception games in his career, his teams in those 20 multiple interception games, 0-20. So, yeah. And then, you know, the rushing yards for the Vikings yesterday, 32 total rushing yards. Again, no Dalvin, right? But 32 total rushing yards, that ain't going to get it done. So um, Falcons are the beneficiaries. I mean, take nothing away from the Falcons. They were probably due. Uh, between now that we have the Falcons and the Giants, who we've already talked about winning, it's only the Jets who are winless now in the National Football League. So you're opening Detroit at Atlanta at what number again? I'm opening three. And like I said, I, I'm pretty sure the public is going to lay this. I'm not sure which way the wise guys are going to go, but I think the public is going to lay this. <clears throat> and like I said, I'm certainly willing to take a bet at the three. But uh, I think I think this will go to three and a half uh, sooner, probably rather than later. And then we'll see what the wise guys want to do. I think they'll probably come in on the lines, but that's just a hunch. But I think three is a good place to start. So let's continue with guessing lines in week number seven. What's next? Okay. We have Carolina at New Orleans. Carolina at New Orleans. Uh, New Orleans will be coming off a bye. Carolina loses. That was one of my two uh, losses in the contest yesterday. Carolina loses to the Bears. So the Bears go to 5-1. and one. We'll get to them. But Carolina drops to 3-3. Three and three. Teddy Bridgewater yesterday, 16 of 29 for 216. No touchdowns, two picks. He was sacked four times. DJ Moore got the most of it from him, 5 for 93. The Panthers outgained the Bears, 303 to 261. But they were minus two in turnovers, and that's usually the dealio. By the way, uh, you know, I mentioned this with the Bears against the Bucks on that Thursday night game, how Matt Nagy, you know, the Bucks had one timeout left, and... Uh, they decided the Bears did to throw a pass play, which, of course, went incomplete. So Tom Brady ended up getting the ball with way more time after the Bears' go-ahead field goal late than he should have. And it ended up working out for the Bears because Tom Brady had the senior moment, among other things, and the Bears won the football game 20-19. to Yesterday, same, same thing. The Bears left a timeout on the board for Carolina late when they threw a pass when they shouldn't have, right? Should have just bled the clock, made Carolina use their final timeout. So Carolina ends up with the ball, a chance to tie the game with a timeout. Um, and it still worked out for the Bears. So they get away with it yet again. But Carolina loses to the Bears uh, by the final score yesterday um, of 
of, let's make sure I know that, 23 to 16, and um, get it done as a uh, two-point dog to the Bears. So this one here, in this particular situation, though, I will take New Orleans minus seven off a bye. Okay. They are seven and a half pretty much everywhere. I see sevens with some juice on the favorite, but mostly seven and a half, a little bit of seven and a half with a little juice on the dog. I'm opening seven. (laughs) First thing I'm saying is, are we sure New Orleans is any good? Right. And my answer is no. I'm not sure they're any good at all. And I just had them here. Yeah, they they beat the Bucs opening week. Okay, it was Brady's first game. Lost to the Raiders. Lost to the Packers. Okay, no disgrace there. Beat the Lions by six. Beat the Chargers by three. So they haven't covered a seven. Well, okay, I'm sorry. They did against the Buccaneers. Uh, and Carolina, I'm not downgrading them after yesterday's win. And the more I look at this uh, Bears team, I think that, listen, they're 5-1. and one. How they're 5-1, and one, I have no idea. But their defense is very, very good. And I said it going into yesterday's game, I kind of like Carolina myself yesterday. But I think Bridgewater's getting better and better and better since that horrific injury he had a couple years ago. He did not play well yesterday, there's no doubt. Didn't play well at all. But like I said, I think he was going against a very tough defense. You know, my numbers come more to like six in this game uh, than seven and a half. And uh, seven and a half seems like an awfully high number for a team that I'm just not sure of at all. And I think Carolina is getting better and better as the year has gone on. So I'm opening seven. I'm sure they'll lay it to me. That's fine. I'm willing to take a bet there. Uh, but that seven and a half to me too high. And I have a feeling the wise guys are going to come in on Carolina on this one. Yeah. Possible that Christian McCaffrey will not return until the November 8th game at Kansas city, pardon me, which would mean he would miss six, (coughs) six games altogether. So help uh, is eventually on the way, but not really anytime soon for the Carolina Panthers. So you are opening seven. You're opening the number that I guessed on that. uh, Yeah. All right, let's do one more here. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? 
Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Buffalo at the New York Jets. Buffalo at the Jets. Buffalo, uh, again, plays today. Buffalo's got that game against Kansas City. It's the early game, the 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific game. Buffalo, five-and-a-half-point dogs hosting Kansas City today. Buffalo's 4-1. and one. As far as the Jets, uh, the Jets are now 0-6. They're the only winless team in the National Football League. They got past their own 33-yard line yesterday in a just a absolute destruction by the Dolphins. Dolphins beat them 24 to nothing. Jets got past their own 33-yard line on one drive in the first half. Only four drives in the entire game did they get past their own 33-yard line, and two of those were in garbage time. Uh, with under 10 minutes left in the second half, the Jets were down 21 and nothing. I don't know if anybody noticed this, but this is when you know you're a really bad football team. Under 10 minutes uh, left in the uh, this is in the third quarter now. I'm talking under 10 minutes left in the third quarter. Jets are down 21 and nothing. And Miami unsuccessfully tries to draw the Jets off sides. I think it was a fourth and short near midfield. Ryan Fitzpatrick does the hard count. They unsuccessfully, the Dolphins unsuccessfully try to draw the Jets offside. About two seconds after the whistle blows to indicate that it's a delay of game in the five-yard penalty, Ryan Fitzpatrick just sort of comically stays behind center in a crouch and keeps yelling the thing and then just laughs, just smiles because he's just having such a gay old time out there, right? That he's just like, this is ridiculous. That's when you know your football team is a joke. When the other player just doesn't care anymore. By the way, Flacco yesterday, 21 of 44 for 196. No touchdowns, one pick, three sacks, one of which was comical. The Jets were 2 of 17 on third down. They didn't convert a uh, third down till the fourth quarter. Miami wasn't good on third downs either. They're the only winless, uh, winless team, as I mentioned, in the NFL. Three losses by 20-plus points. It's their first 0-6 start since 1996 when Rich Kotite was their coach. Whenever you invoke Kotite, it's bad. And they've been outscored 114 to 29 in the first half this season. They were outscored 114 to 29 in the first half this season, including 21 to nothing yesterday. Chrissy, we got to go to break because I'm going to get your number after I guess mine right here. But they are, they are really bad. Like so bad. I mentioned this last week on the show. One of the probably best survivor strategies this year is just take the team that plays the Jets. Like, if you you, you can't do it every week because you're, they're obviously going to play teams in their division twice. But, man, are they bad. And Sam Darnold now, trade rumors uh, starting to fly about him getting traded to Indy. So we shall see there. I'll say Buffalo minus 10 at the Jets. We'll find out what the number is coming back on a numbers game at VEASAN, the sports betting network. Well, we haven't gone over your Bills and Jets number yet. Oh, I said Bills minus ten. That's right. Go ahead. What's what do you what do yeah, you? Yeah, but we haven't commented. No, we have not. I'm, I okay. apologize. Yes. Okay. First of all, uh, my friend Barry, who's from uh, Miami, is probably listening right now, and <laughs> he doesn't have a high opinion of uh, Coach Gaze. Let's just say that. He says the first time Gaze went to halftime, and uh, as a head coach in Miami, and saw Miami up by twenty-one points. <laughs> that was. Pretty good twist on it, you know. Uh, 
Yeah, uh, this, uh, you know, and I, during the break, I was looking for this chart. So I, I don't, it's not a candlestick chart. I forget what they call this chart. It's kind of like a plus minus chart uh, of uh, games with their final outcome. And it's so bad for Adam Gaze. It's unbelievably horrible uh, on how many games he's lost by, you know, a certain number of points and how many games he's won. You know, wins obviously are very few and far between. My numbers come to 18 on this game. <clears throat> now, my first mention of diminishing oh, returns, yeah. <clears throat> because, uh, you know, I don't think you could have a road favorite 18 points in the NFL. But anyway, the number is 11, and I'm going to open 11, but if I see, because I do see 110 out there. If I see this trending higher in any way, shape, or form, I'm going higher. This team is <sighs> historically bad as far as, my methodology of keeping power ratings. Uh, I, this is the worst I have ever had, I believe, uh, for the Jets. And they're playing a very good team, by the way. And I know they got trounced last week, but I expect them to show tonight. And I don't know if they beat Kansas City, but I think this will be a very, very close game. So I, I'm going to open at 11, but if I see it trending higher in any way, I'm going higher myself. Yeah, and Sam Darnold, by the way, who suffered an AC joint sprain in his throwing shoulder during that Thursday night loss to the Broncos, Hasn't played in two weeks, and now it seems to have drifted into, if you believe reports, they're trying to trade Sam Darnold. Uh, Joe Flacco looks like he cares as much about a football game uh, as I do about the opera that's taking place uh, elsewhere tonight. I don't know where. I care as little, no matter where it is. Uh, But he just doesn't look like he cares at all. And uh, that might just be his face. Might just be the Flacco face. Maybe he cares deeply. But I just don't. See, I just don't get that that feeling about it when you watch him in a game. Uh, and the Dolphins, for your friend, the Dolphins, uh, they were one of nine on third downs. We got to see Tua for two passes. Tua was two of two for nine yards. Um, consecutive wins by twenty plus points for the first time for the Dolphins since nineteen ninety, and the first time the Miami Dolphins have been ahead of the New England Patriots in the AFC East in week six or later <laughs> since 2008. First time week six or later since 2008 that they've been ahead of the Patriots. Take that for what it's worth. But uh, what are you posting then? What's the final number? I'm going to open 11. And 11. That's, that's the highest watermark that I see. So that's what I'm going to go with. I see a little bit lower in some spots, but I'm going to stay high on this one. These guesses have been spot on. Spot on. <laughs> All right, give me one more. Uh, Packers at the Texans. Packers at the Texans. <clears throat> okay. Uh, Green Bay loses to That's Tampa Bay yesterday. Green Bay loses to Tampa Bay. Rodgers was 16 of 35 for 160. No touchdowns, two picks. Uh, he was sacked four times. Only 201 total yards of offense for the Packers yesterday. They were minus two in turnovers. But those two turnovers, because it was zero versus two, those two tur- uh, two turnovers were two Aaron Rodgers picks. The Packers were up in this game 10 to nothing. And it looked like they were going to dominate this football game, really. And then a pick six to Jamel Dean, 32 yards to the house, made it 10 to seven. Then three Packers offensive plays later on the ensuing drive, Mike Edwards returns a pick 37 yards to the Green Bay two. Next play, touchdown. Green Bay never scored again. 38 straight for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And Green Bay falls from the ranks of the unbeaten. So now we have three unbeatens, Tennessee, Pittsburgh, and Seattle. Houston loses to Tennessee. Uh, we should probably talk about that. 
Houston loses uh, to Tennessee 42 to 36 at overtime. Deshaun Watson, 28 of 37 for 335, four touchdowns, no picks. He was sacked twice. Uh, Fuller, six for 123 and a touchdown. It's Houston's worst start at one in five since 2005. Okay, uh, let's talk about Romeo Crennel first. Romeo Crennel, let's do the one that everybody's talking about, then, then we'll do the part that, that no one's talking about, or very few people are talking about, but Derek Stevens was, uh, was smart enough to talk about this morning on Follow the Money. Uh, first of all, Romeo Crennel. Houston go, decides to go for it on fourth and goal at the Tennessee 1, up 30-29 to 29 with 153 left. Okay, that's the right play. Watson to Cooks, touchdown. But then they're up 36-29, to 29, and instead of kicking a, uh, an extra point to go up eight, they go for two to try to go up nine and seal the deal. At least that's Romeo Cornell's thinking. They fail, because of course they do. Watson to Cobb uh, was the intended pass. So that, of course, then means they're only up 36 to 29 instead of just kicking the extra point and going up 37 to 29. Of course, it leads to an 11 play, 76 yard drive that with 145 left in the game took 141. Uh, Tannehill to Brown, seven yard touchdown pass to win it, or excuse me, to tie the game once they hit the extra point, four seconds left. Then, of course, Tennessee wins the coin flip in overtime. And on the second play of overtime, Tannehill to Henry, little pass, goes 53 yards, four plays later. Henry crashes in from the five. Ball game, 42 to 36. Uh, That's Tennessee's fourth win this season by six points or fewer. But enough about Tennessee. Let's get back to Crennel for a second. We'll get to Tennessee in a minute. Crennel deciding, Chrissy, to go up nine try to go up nine up seven with 145 left in the game instead of just kicking the extra point again getting back to our discussion earlier just stop overthinking it kick the extra point because it makes the other team have to successfully do two things not one two because we're again we're assuming the uh if you get a touchdown your expected point value of a two-point conversion is around is just around one, meaning it's a 50-50 proposition. Whereas with extra points, you know, it's still much closer to to getting the the point converted. Your expected point value is just shy of one. You're gonna miss some, but you're gonna make most of them. I just don't understand. I get what I get the, the thinking is, oh, we'll go up nine and the game will be over. Yeah, but if you don't, and it's a 50-50 proposition. Because you're not the team with Derrick Henry. You're the team that always goes in shotgun anyway in those situations. What are you doing? Am, am, am I wrong? Oh, no, I think you're 100% right. And the other thing that, you know, is always part of the equation, and I don't think it's discussed enough, is once once you're, you complete whatever it is, whether you kick or go for two, make, miss, whatever, the other team gets the ball. And... Right now, like you said, the other team gets the ball. Okay, they have to do two things yes. just to tie you. Okay, but then after that, well, I mean, yeah, it, it gets a little theoretical because we're getting into overtime. But then you have a chance to get the ball. You know, so, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I thought, like, if you just follow the dots, you know, kicking and going up eight was absolutely the right choice. And there may be some mathematical stuff out there that, that would indicate otherwise. But uh, I think there's a psychology to it as well. Uh, your team has not won too many games this year. 
uh, and you have a chance to, to beat a very, very good team on the road uh, by go- again, by going up eight and forcing them to do two different things just to tie you. I think, you know, you had to go for one there and go up eight. I think you just had to. And, you know, I don't, I don't want to second guess it because we were in the office at the time saying, would you do this? And none of us would have. Oh, there was, there was no armchair quarterbacking with that. That was right at the moment. Yeah. What is he doing? What is yeah. he doing? And the other way to say it is what you're doing up seven right there is you're you're basically saying you know what let's put the burden of converting the two-point conversion on us rather than on the other team yeah that sounds like a smart thing to do instead of the other way around and just if that sentence alone doesn't drive it home i don't know what else does uh it's green bay at houston getting back to the point i'll say green bay i don't know i'll say minus three is that too short no my numbers come to three uh, but it, it's mostly three and a half. I do see some threes out there with juice on the favorite, but my numbers come to three and a half. Like I said, even though it's a little higher than what my power ratings would be, uh, I think the Packers coming off a loss like that, uh, I think are really going to be tremendously focused on this game and make amends. Whereas Houston coming off a loss like that, I see it kind of the other way. So I like three and a half much better in this spot, even though my numbers skew a little bit lower. All right, when we come back, Everybody's talking about the Romeo Cannell decision, the Romeo Cronell decision to go for two. But we got to talk about something that Mike Vrabel did before that final sequence on that same drive. That is the difference between winning and losing football. Unbelievable uh, what Mike Vrabel did. And shout out to him. Put him up there. Top tier, if not at the top right behind Belichick of NFL coaches. We'll discuss it next. Guessing lines right here on a numbers game at Visa. These Our number two of a numbers game right here at Visa, the Sports Betting Network, Series XM Channel 204, Visa.com, the Visa app, Fubo, Sling, and Game Plus. Skill Alexander, how you doing? Jason Kahn is here. Chrissy Andrews from the South Point Hotel Casino Sportsbook. Uh, guessing lines for week number seven in the NFL. I don't think hour one turned up anything, really. Like, that was pretty ho-hum guessing slate of, the, uh, of half the schedule uh, thus far. But what I want to get into here, because we just talked about the Houston side, because uh, Green Bay at Houston, uh, Chrissy just threw out as a game next week. So we talked about the Romeo Cronell thing. Chrissy, do you know what I'm about to talk about with Mike Vrabel? Are you hip to what he did yeah. yesterday? Yeah, with the extra man on the field. Okay. But go ahead. I'll let you sit, and then I have a comment about it, too. Yeah, so, okay. One of the staples of, of this show, a numbers game at VEASAN, through the years, talking football, you may remember – uh, my conversations with Todd Wishnev about the rules in the NFL about two-point conversions and how you can manipulate it, how the not how you can manipulate it, but how the rules are really skewed in favor of the offensive team at that point. Uh, and you've and we've talked on this show about all the different little loopholes that coaches, there are very few of them, but coaches in the NFL uh, can exploit. And one of the big ones we used to talk about was when the clock was north of five minutes, so in other words, when there was more than five minutes left in a football game and a team was nursing a lead, Bill Belichick used to do it all the time. He used to take multiple delay of game penalties. And as long as you were had more than five minutes on the clock and no matter how many, you know, you did it when you were in a, an advantageous position up late in the game, you could take multiple delay of games and the clock would keep restarting. I think you could do it about three times, and then they'd probably say, all right, we know what you're doing, and you'll, you'll get a flag if you do it again. But Belichick did it a lot. And Mike Vrabel, who, of course, played for Belichick, 
started doing this with the Titans and most famously last year. And we, we just were tickled by this. If you remember in the playoff game against the Patriots themselves, Vrabel and the, and the Titans were up 14 to 13 last year late. And during the fourth quarter, he exploited that same loophole in the rule book that allowed Tennessee to rule, uh, to run one minute and 49 seconds off the clock without running a single play. And it was fitting because, again, as I said, it was the same strategy that Belichick, for instance, used all the time. He used it during a 33 to nothing win over the Jets in October of last year. So in that game, in the playoffs, the Titans had a fourth and five from the Patriots' 36-yard line with just 6.33 left to play. And uh, Vrabel didn't want to kick a field goal because the weather was, was inclement. So he decided to punt the ball, but not until... Uh, his team took a delay of game penalty, which took the clock down to 5.52 left. Following that penalty, the Titans got a fresh 25-second play clock. They let the new clock tick down to zero before taking a false start penalty, which didn't sit well with Belichick. Belichick was going nuts on the sideline because he's like, here's my guy using my thing against me. It was awesome. Uh, at that point, the clock was down to 5.28. Now, after being called for two penalties, the Titans were finally going to punt it, but then the Patriots, if you remember, jumped off sides, which allowed the Titans to take the clock down to 5.13. And then after that penalty, the Titans got another fresh 25-second clock. And by the time they finally snapped it, there was just 4.50 left to play, including the punt itself. The clock actually ticked down to 4.44, which means the Titans ran a total of 1 minute and 49 seconds off the clock before the Patriots took possession. You may recall the Titans end up winning it 20-13. to, to 13. Um, Okay, so that was that. And they changed that rule, by the way. They changed the rule this offseason because they're like, oh, well, you did it. They finally noticed it when it was done on a big playoff stage. And they're like, okay, we know what you're up to, buddy. Then enough of that rule, Bill Belichick and Mike Vrabel. But this was the first sign that Mike Vrabel was smarter than the average NFL coach, right? He was a Belichick disciple. Mm-hmm. So yesterday, and again, shout out to Derek Stevens, who picked up on this also. He mentioned it on Follow the Money this morning. Yesterday, the same drive we're talking about where Romeo Cornell ultimately decided we're going for two up seven. And we know how the rest of that went out. We just talked about it. Titans matriculate down the field. They force overtime. They win in overtime. By the way, win for betters, too. Just a tough beat for uh, Houston Texans betters. So yesterday, Vrabel, with it's got to be the best decision of week six. And props, the real people who, who talked about it the most is like an, are in a Titans subreddit group. Like that's how that's how because the, the announcers of course said nothing. They had no idea what was going on in this. So the Titans trailed Texans 30 to 29. They had just turned over the ball on a Ryan Tannehill interception. So Houston up 30 to 20 up 30 to 29 had a second and one at the Titans 25 yard line with 349 remaining on a running clock. Uh, now follow me here. And let me just pause to say it's Gil Alexander and Chris Andrews right here on a numbers game at VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network, uh, Sirius XM Channel 204, guessing lines, but also talking about this amazing thing that Mike Frabel did yesterday, the difference between winning coaches and losing coaches in the NFL. So second and one of the Titans, 25, with 349 remaining on a running clock. So, you know, they got a second and the third down. They only need one, one yard. The odds of them converting that, the Texans, that is, is very high. But if the Titans were penalized five yards, the clock would stop and it would become a first down for the Texans and it would save approximately 40 seconds of clock time. And again, while it cost them the second down conversion, they were likely to give it up anyway. So so Mike Vrabel sent on an extra defender, putting 12 men on the field 
on purpose and setting up the penalty. And if you watch the video, and shout out to uh, Mike Herndon at Mike Miracles on Twitter if you want to see this. Mike Herndon at Mike Miracles. The video shows cornerback uh, Jonathan Joseph looking really confused, like, coach, I'm not supposed to be out here, (laughs) kind of expression. And Vrabel sort of telling him through his mask, because we can't see what he's actually saying, but basically saying, hey, don't worry about it. Everything's okay. Just stay out there. (laughs) Just stay out there kind of thing. He does a great sell job and gets the penalty. And so in the end, yeah, they matriculated it down to the one-yard line. They ended up getting the touchdown, and then they, then they shot themselves in the foot with a terrible decision to go for two. And, and again, the rest is history. But those they wouldn't have had one minute and 45 seconds to work with, the Titans, had Vrabel not exploited yet another thing in the rule books, where he's like, well, it's, it's not even exploiting. It's, you know what? Um, it's a positive EV. It is a win probability plus for him to do this right now to throw out a 12th man and take a penalty stop the clock give them another set of downs genius Chrissy genius that's the difference between their win and their loss okay one thing you said the announcers didn't say anything well there's another there's a mental mistake by Mike Brabel having 12 men on the field they said the opposite now hang on yeah they said the opposite. Warren Sharp pointed out he did the exact same thing in 2018. Uh, they were playing the Jets. The announcer again was Rich Gannon, and Rich Gannon again said this. Well, you know, he said it <laughs> first in 2018, obviously, that another mistake by Mike Vrabel, a mental error by Mike Vrabel, by having 12 men on the field. And uh, both times, obviously, uh, Vrabel did it on purpose to save the time. And uh, it went past Rich Gannon twice. I got to say, it would have gone past me, too, had somebody not explained it to me. So I think Vrabel, and by the way, just to remind people out there, he was originally a stealer. And I can't remember if they cut him or traded him for some late draft choice to get him over to New England. And I remember at the time thinking, are they crazy? This guy is a terrific player, and he's had a great career. I don't know how many Super Bowl rings he has, and he's going to be a terrific coach, too. He's already in certain – I'm not going to put him up with Bilicek yet, but he's certainly in that upper echelon. The guy really shows a lot of uh, uh, high-level thinking, higher than most of these coaches, certainly. He joined the Patriots as a free agent, by the way, 2001. Oh, did he? Okay. I think that Steelers might have just cut him. Yeah, could be. Uh, It's (laughs) – it's just an amazing play, amazing uh, heads-up play or heads-up coaching decision by Mike Vrabel. And again, that's the difference between uh, winning and losing. And certainly Romeo Crennel then helped out as well after that. But uh, they don't get there without that decision from Vrabel. So the Titans remain undefeated. I, I'm guessing, because uh, Jason kind of tipped me off on this, that the Titans is the next game. Uh, no, actually, I got Seahawks and Cardinals next. No, oh, Seahawks and Cardinals. Pardon me. Seahawks and Cardinals. Yeah. Uh, Seahawks are coming off a bye, and the Cardinals haven't played yet. Cardinals play the Cowboys again tonight in the second of the two Monday night games, the originally scheduled Monday night game uh, between the Cardinals and the Cowboys, where the Cardinals are now one-and-a-half-point dogs in this game. Um, I don't know. Seattle shouldn't be three point. See, here's the thing: Seattle's undefeated, but good lord! I mean, it's Russell Wilson escape jobs, as per usual. I'll say it's a, I'll split the difference between 
three in pick. I'll say Seattle minus one and a half. Well, <laughs> it's three with juice on the favorite. Sea Dogs being the favorite. And I have it higher than that. Wow. You know my opinion of Russell Wilson. And I do not want to go into Sunday's game rooting against Russell Wilson. Because first of all, I think they, uh, I think the Cardinals lose tonight. So, I mean, I'm opening three and a half on this one. They might jump in and take it because it's three with – uh, juice on the favorite, but I'm opening three and a half. And uh, you know what? You want to bet against Russell? Please do that, please, because I'm so tired of rooting against this guy every single week. And usually, getting uh, my uh, hat handed to me at the end of the day. Well, I, I'm with you. So I like Seattle here. I've said it many times. I hate betting against Russell Wilson, but you know who else I hate betting against? Kyler Murray too. That might be my first play. That might be the first one I like here on guessing lines. Arizona again, sight unseen. They haven't played yet. They play tonight. But if it's more than three, I'll grab the Cardinals for sure in that one. They will be on short rest, though, as they play tonight. All right, let's do one more here. Uh, The 49ers at the Patriots. The 49ers at the Patriots. 49ers win last night. Uh, They beat the Rams by the score of 24-16 to as two-point home dogs. Jimmy G. Uh, gets in the game, 23 of 33, three touchdowns, no picks, uh, no sacks. Kittle, no surprise, his biggest target, seven for 109 and a touchdown. So San Francisco beats the Rams. Probably the fewest plays of a primetime NFL game I've watched, quite frankly, yet this year because the Dodgers and the uh, the Dodgers and the Braves had their game seven going last night, and I was far more invested in that affair than I was. <laughs> than I was in this football game, if I'm just being honest. But I saw enough, and Jason was telling me, you saw the right play, which was that Jared Goff pick in the end zone when it was 21-9 to and the Rams had a shot there, and then he threw that pass in the end zone. Uh, New England yesterday, this was the big one, this is the biggest survivor loss yesterday. New England loses to Denver, and they lose to Denver by the score of 18-12. to Denver scored on their first six possessions – all six Brandon McManus field goals. And those points held up. Uh, New England ended up Cam's numbers. Cam was 17 to 25 in the end for 157. But he did gain 76 yards on the ground on 10 carries with a touchdown. But he only threw. So he, he ran for 76. He only threw for 157. Edelman threw two passes on this final drive. So here's the thing in this game. It was 18 to 12. And it was, well, first of all, it was 18 to 9. And then all of a sudden, Drew Locke and the Broncos decided, you know what, we're going to throw downfield because that's that's what you do. Like if, if you had told mm-hmm. me, are you the team that's up eighteen to nine or the team that's down eighteen to nine? So Locke throws mm-hmm. two consecutive picks deep downfield. The first one leads to a New England Patriots uh, field goal that makes it eighteen to twelve. The second one, you're like, are you kidding me? What are you doing? Milk the clock, make them use their timeouts, win this. So the Patriots end up with the ball and a chance to win. And you're like, are you? I can't believe this is happening. They go to two Edelman trick plays. Edelman ends up two for two for 38 yards. But in the end, the Broncos get the stop. And the Patriots lose three turnovers for the Patriots in this game. So they were minus one in that department despite the Drew Locke picks late. It's the Patriots' worst start at two and three since 2001. And get this. The first loss under Bill Belichick when not allowing a touchdown. How about that? Oh. Yeah. Um, San Francisco at New England. Now, this is going to be interesting. I was going to say the first hour of this show, there wasn't much in terms of a line discrepancy. But uh, we've started out with a bang here in this one. 
I'll say I'll say New England minus three just because they're the Patriots. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah I, yeah because you gotta think Love he's it. gonna guard he don't care about guarding he's gonna guard he's gonna exactly. guard like you see him in the olympics exactly. he's gonna guard and then on I'm top of it like that see that Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what so. I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Yeah, it's, a little higher. I see one three and a half, a lot of juice on the dog, mostly three juice on the favorite. So, you know, at the South Point, we open, or we do everything at 11 and 10, not just open. We do everything at 11 and 10. I'm opening three flat. And I, again, well, first of all, my, my power ratings on the Niners have been like all over the place because all the injuries they've had, including Garoppolo, but also a myriad of other players. But are we sure the Patriots are any good? No, we're definitely not. Yeah, and are we now wondering, or are we now saying to ourselves, oh, this is why nobody wanted to sign Cam Newton to an exorbitant contract in the offseason. He has not looked good. He had one good game in the opener, and we thought it was the second coming. But uh, he has not looked very good since then. Uh, To me, three, uh, three to me is a take. I would take three with the 49ers. Uh, I think this uh, New England team, they're suffering from the same exact thing that they suffered from last year. No skill position players to help a quarterback. And last year they had Brady. This year, uh, this year they don't. They have Newton, who I think maybe is just a shell of himself. So I think, I think three to me is a definite take for the 49ers. And uh, I'm going to open three, but it's, it's three with juice, so they'll probably lay it to me and have at it. You're welcome to it. I was really hoping you were going to tell me New England was like a four-and-a-half-point favorite because that I, w- I just wanted there to be a New England bump, but maybe there isn't one anymore after seeing yeah. that yesterday. So three it is. By the way, uh, 
it's an interesting, you keep saying, you know, are we sure this team is good? Are we sure that team is good? That's sort of been a theme uh, on MSG Plus on Primetime Action, the show that I do um, with Matt Brown and Danielle Alvari and Kelly Bidlin, where we do in-game betting. We talk Now, specifically in the AFC, we get who's good. Kansas City's good. Baltimore's good. Buffalo and Tennessee. Pittsburgh as well. You can't really deny that those are good football teams. Maybe, maybe there's a flaw here and there with them. Okay, none of them are perfect. But those are good football teams. Can we say there isn't a glaring flaw in any of the NFC teams? Maybe Tampa mm. Bay? Maybe Tampa Bay's the best of the bunch after what we saw yesterday? Might be. Might be. But like the Could rest be. of them, I yeah. just don't know. Green Bay's defense isn't that good? Certainly, going back to the AFC, certainly New England. Uh, no, they're not good at all. There's a lot of teams that are, first of all, there's a lot of bad teams, right? I used to say this about baseball the last three years. The chasm between the haves and the have-nots have widened increasingly every year. You're seeing guys, you know, who aren't aces at minus 270 and minus 280 in games. We didn't see that three, four years ago. Football, man, there are so many bad teams. Um, I'm not saying New England's one of them, but they're not good. So San Francisco uh, at New England, New England favored by three. And I might be with you. It might be a take on the Niners for me, even at that number. What is next, sir? Are we in the afternoon yet? That game was the, the uh, yeah. game was the afternoon. Sorry, I didn't mean to, okay. to skip. The Titans game is in the morning, so it must be at the end of the rotation because it oh. moved or something okay. like that. that was no problem. What's next, Chris? Uh, yeah, this is an afternoon game. Kansas City at Denver. All right, Kansas City, we haven't seen them play. They're playing Buffalo again this afternoon. Don't forget, 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific for the Bills-Chiefs game today. Uh, And the Chiefs are five-and-a-half-point favorites there. But as far as the Chiefs at the Broncos, the Broncos in that win over the Patriots. Drew Locke, 10 of 24 for 189. No touchdowns. The two picks I just mentioned sacked twice. So if it wasn't for that last, those last couple of sequences of, of, you know, those last drives, he would have had a pretty, you know, clean game, at least in terms of the turnovers, for sure, at the very least. But he had picks with 5.15 left in the game, up 18-9, to which led to a field goal, as I mentioned. And then at 18-12, to another, the next play from scrimmage with 3.14 left. And then the defense holds up with 58 seconds left. They finally stopped the Patriots. Good Lord. Lindsey, 23 for 101. Tim Patrick, four catches for 101. The other thing about that game, uh, Chrissy, one other last note about Denver and, and New England, besides the, the ridiculous lock picks, like what are the Broncos doing? You know how many penalties were called in that whole game? Three. No. Three penalties. New England had one penalty for four yards net in that game. It's just amazing. Uh, they really are just holding these uh, these flags in, in their pockets. And as I mentioned, uh, the Broncos scored on their first six possessions, but all were field goals. Uh, all of that said, again, barring anything unforeseen tonight with the Chiefs, Chiefs have got to be 10-point favorites here, right? Uh, I see it anywhere between 8.5 and 9.5. And uh, my numbers come to 8.5. You know, Gil, I was looking through some of my notes, and when the Broncos were 0-3, let me see, who did they lose to? They lost to the Titans, the Steelers, and the Bucks. So all pretty good teams. Yeah. And really, except for the Buccaneers, had really a pretty good showing against the other two. I had it in my notes. I said, watch out for this team. Not that they were any good, but kind of the way I thought about Cincinnati. A team that could be a live dog covering a lot of numbers. And I'm going to stick with that. Um, now, 
I don't want to go too far off the number here because Kansas City's always going to attract a lot of money. But like I say, I see anywhere from eight and a half to nine and a half. I'm going to go in the middle with a nine. Uh, and even though Kansas City is probably still the best team in the league, they're certainly right up there. But I think Denver's going to be that kind of team. Look out for them covering some big numbers. And this is, you know, nine certainly a big number, especially for a home team. And uh, I, I kind of, I'm not circling Kansas City yet, or I mean Denver yet. But I would keep an eye on them and uh, watch for them from here on in. Like I said, much situation like Cincinnati. If you see them catching a big number, take a second look at them because I think they might be worth a play. And they might, they might be worth a play in this spot too. You know what my uh, relationship with Drew Locke is? I think I underrated him to begin with criminally, and now I think I'm overrating him. <laughs> I think that's, I think that might be the case with him. Well, there's another guy can use some good coaching, and I'm not sure he's getting that in Denver. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. That's going to hold them back. And I don't know what they were thinking. I mean, on a day when we're talking about Romeo Crennel and Ron Rivera, I do not mm-hmm. know what the Broncos were thinking in the last stretch of that game. Play to win. My goodness. Uh, we'll get to some more uh, lines to guess. Uh, week seven in the National Football League. whole bunch more to get to, including uh, the primetime games as well. Well, we're jumping ahead here to prime time. Oh, okay. They're all over the place here, you know, so, you know. Uh, but we want to go in rotation order, am I correct? Okay, sure. We can do it that way. Okay. All right. The Sunday night game, Tampa Bay at Las Vegas. All right. We talked about Tampa Bay. Big win for those of us who had Tampa Bay, but they really, they got players back. They got Godwin back specifically. Tom Brady yesterday, 17 of 27 for 166. Didn't have to do much uh, once the defense got them underway, as, as we talked about earlier. The two, the one pick six, and then the other uh, interception, consecutive, uh, consecutive drives for the Packers. Four plays is all it took to have the two interceptions. The next one was returned all the way to the two-yard line, and a 10 to nothing Packers lead was immediately reversed into a 14 to 10 Buccaneers lead. 38 straight for the Bucks. They win it 38 to 10. Uh, Ronald Jones, the second 23 for 113 with two touchdowns. Gronk, five for 78, and his first touchdown as a Buccaneer. Good for Gronk. Tampa Bay, no penalties for no yards. How about that? You don't see that very often. Zero penalties, zero yards for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We're talking about only three penalties were called in the New uh, England-Denver game, with New England getting one. Well, how about a clean sheet from the Buccaneers? And they're playing the Raiders. The Raiders will come off a a week of rest. They have a bye week this week. We know that because Brent traveled all the way to Montana for the bye week. He's like, I'm taking the week off. Kind enough of Brent to do the Megapod, though. So it'll be Tampa Bay at uh, at the Raiders here at what is just that's listen the year of 2020 and covid what a uh, what a sad thing for raiders fans who would have loved to have had tom brady to see at their brand new stadium uh i'll say tampa bay it's going to be more than 3 i'll say 3 and a half tampa bay minus 3 and a half no it's 3 with juice on the dog wow yeah, so 3 is i'm going to open 3 um uh, my numbers Respect you know for it's the like raiders. 4 and a half yeah, my numbers are four and a half with no home field. I, th- I think you got to give them a little home field here. So I, th- I think the three sounds fine. Uh, but yeah, a lot of respect for the Raiders. Like I said, there's uh, we do everything flat at the South Point. So we'll open a three flat. They'll probably bet me the Raiders because I see it all three with juice on the dog. Explain that to people who are tuning in for the first time, Chrissy. Explain what you mean by because they're like, flat? What do you mean he doesn't have half points? That's not what you mean. 
<laughs> no, we have that point. Yeah. We do have that. Uh, but we we do everything at minus one ten or eleven at ten, however you want to phrase that. Uh, we don't we don't put we don't use like three minus a dollar twenty or seven minus a dollar twenty or you know any of that stuff. Everything is minus one ten, you know, on the board for sides and totals. Now first half, second halves, those we do some finagle in there. But as far as like the games themselves, no, everything is minus one ten. Everything, everything, everything. Keep making it as simple as possible. And uh, Michael Gaughan and Frank Cody, his longtime partner, have insisted on it. And the thing was, I don't resist it at all. And when I was at Calneva for 22 years, I did the exact same thing. You know, I mean, we use minus one bet. That's what the number is. And, um, you know, I know there's probably places where it fits better or I don't blame them for doing that. But uh, for us, this is what we want to do because we want to bring in, you know, your everyday customer. And it's very, you know, it's not that complex. You know, game might go from three to three and a half, but you are going to lay minus 110. That is a, a promise that we have here at the South Point. Let's take a couple of tweets here at Beating the Book. Always appreciate the tweets. Uh, Adam Rosenberg, Vrabel is absolutely the best coach in the NFL. Remember how shrewd he was on that delay of game penalty last year against the Bats in the playoffs. Yeah, we discussed it this morning, Adam. Uh, I effing love this guy. This sort of thing isn't happening without analytics. Yeah, well, no, we went through the whole delay of game thing, and now it's no longer uh, permitted. Uh, Talking about Vrabel's intentional 12 men on the field yesterday, which is the lesser of the two things discussed from that game. The more discussed thing, obviously, being Romeo Cornell's decision to go for two up seven late, 36 to 29. Bainbridge DeWeese has this to say about that. Mm -hmm. Similar to Chrissy's question last week about Russell Wilson, do the analytics take into account that Derrick Henry is on the other team? I think, this is Bainbridge talking, I think Romeo knew that if the Titans did get the touchdown, the two-point would be much higher than 50-50. That's an interesting tweet. My response, and I'm curious what yours would be, Chrissy. My my response is, I think we're giving Romeo too much credit with that. <laughs> you know, Bainbridge, uh, I know we mentioned him last, I think it was last week on the show. It might have been two weeks ago. Had a pretty uh, observant tweet in that regard, too. So that, that's a pretty good one. But I still think, yeah. listen, we're, we're not ready to score the two yet. He's still got to go down and get a touchdown in the first place. That's so, right. Uh, you know, I'm still, yeah, it's, yeah, we, we aren't in a position. We're not automatically giving them six and then telling them to go for two. And Romeo would have said that because he was questioned on this after the game. And he said, no, I was just trying to put him away, basically, right? If you get to, if you get it to nine, you know, yeah. game, set, match, yeah. um, he would have said on top of that at that moment, he would have said like, well, because I also thought that, you know, Derrick Henry, blah, 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 more than 50 on two points. But it is an interesting tweet, Bainbridge, and we thank you for uh, for bringing that up. Um, all right, give me the matchup. I won't, we won't have time because we're going to go to break, but what are the matchups that are left? Jaguars at the Chargers, Steelers at the Titans, Bears at the Rams on Monday night. Ooh, that's a, those are a couple good ones at the end there, uh, including a battle of undefeateds between the Steelers and the Titans. All right, we'll guess those lines, and we'll talk about what we like. So far, I'm thinking Arizona. Uh, let's see here. Arizona and uh, San Francisco. I think I like the best. We'll uh, we'll review all of it. Chrissy will give what he likes. Welcome back to A Numbers Game with Gil Alexander. Jason, I have a confession to make, and I know that everybody's been waiting for this confession from me. 
I love that Justin Bieber song on Saturday Night Live. I think I like Justin Bieber. But it's more Chance the Rapper, I think, that wrote that song. Holy, that he performed on Saturday Night Live was awesome. I'm going to have to find it. Reminds me of Chance the Rapper's uh, Sunday Candy. I'm telling you, man. Good song. Chrissy, what do you know about Justin Bieber? Anything? Nothing? Nothing at all? I'm not sure you and I can be friends anymore, Gil. I'm sorry. <laughs> thought, that, thought that might have some impact. <laughs> you think of all the things that have gone on this last week, that would be the thing that would send it over. <laughs> That's the straw that broke the camel's back. Right there. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, three more games to get to. What you got? <laughs> oh, we all had a good laugh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jaguars at the Chargers. <laughs> Jaguars at the Chargers. Jaguars are one in five. Uh, Jaguars lose to the Lions as we talked about, thirty-four to sixteen. Minshew twenty-five of forty-four, two forty-three, one touchdown, one pick. He was sacked once. Keelan Cole six catches for one forty-three. Jaguars only had forty-four rushing yards. Only had the ball for twenty-four oh three. It's their worst start. And that's saying something with the Jaguars. One in five is the Jaguars' worst start since twenty fifteen. They've allowed 30-plus points in five straight games. Is that good? Uh, and they're playing the Chargers. Chargers coming off a bye. I'll say Chargers, who are 1-4 and four themselves, by the way, but we think of them quite differently because they probably should have beaten the Saints and they should have beaten the Buccaneers. I'll say Chargers minus 7. Am I low? You are low. It's anywhere from 7.5 to 8.5. I'm going to beat the 8.5, you know, and I know the Chargers lost a couple close games, but Justin Herbert, I think is just ready to explode. And I think Jacksonville is ready to sink like a rock the way we kind of thought they were in the off season. And we let that first game uh, out of the blocks. We let that kind of change our opinion on them. Uh, you know, the, the only reason we're not talking about them more is because of the jets being as bad as they are. But I think Jacksonville is uh, in a race to the bottom. They'll probably finish second to the jets, but they're in a race to the bottom. And I think this Charger team, you know, I question their coaching at times, but not the talent. And I think this is the kind of game where they could just absolutely explode. And I think they will. Uh, like I said, I see it anywhere from seven and a half to eight and a half. I'm using the eight and a half. I like the highest number possible. Yeah. And you know what? You know how usually you, you often say I like your number better than, than this one? I like your better number than yeah. mine. As soon as it came out of my mouth, I was like, I think I'm low. Because uh, I think you're right. It should be more than seven. So eight and a half from Chrissy Chargers yeah. versus Jacksonville. All yeah. right. Next. Okay. Good one. Maybe the best game of the week. Steelers at the Titans. Five and O versus five and O. Big Ben in the Steelers route of the Browns yesterday. 14 of 22 for 162. One touchdown. No picks. He was sacked twice. James Conner, 20 carries, 101 and a touchdown. Claypool, four for 74. Also carried one in the end zone on the ground. James Washington, four for 68, a touchdown. Bad news for the Steelers, though, with Devin Bush. Their standout oh, linebacker. terrible. Yeah, feared to have a significant knee injury. We will get the official update here today. And as far as Tennessee, we talked about it uh, ad nauseum. Not only the Romeo Cornell decision to go for two, up 36 to 29, but prior to that, Mike Vrabel, with an intentional 12 men on the field to basically save his team 40 seconds. So fourth and goal at the one, and then fourth and goal at the one, uh, 
Again, we talked about it. Houston decides to uh, go for it. That was the proper move with 153 left. Watson, a Cooks touchdown, but then they failed to get the two-point conversion. 11-play, 76-yard, 1-minute, 41-second drive for the Titans that ended with Tannehill to Brown, 7-yard score. They win the coin flip in overtime, because, of course, they do. And then on the second play, Tannehill to Henry, 53 yards. Four plays later, Henry crashes in from the five. Ball game, 42-36. to Fourth win this season by the Titans, Chrissy, by six points or fewer. They're living right. Tannehill, 30 of 41 for 364. Four touchdowns, one pick, two sacks. Henry, 22 for 212 and two touchdowns, and then two catches for 52. Included in that uh, 212 yards rushing, a 94-yard signature Derrick Henry touchdown scamper with 937 left in the fourth quarter to put Tennessee up 27 to 23 in what was a topsy-turvy fourth quarter. Anthony Ferkser, eight catches for 113 and a touchdown. 601 total yards of offense for the Titans. It's a franchise record, including 263 on the ground. You know, Houston had 412, and they got outgained by almost 200 yards. It's the second 5-0 start in franchise history for the Titans. 2008 was the last time. They also may have some bad news. We have that tweet, uh, Jason Dewey. Taylor Luan, uh, their standout left tackle, he... Uh, could have a major, major injury uh, as well. Here it is from Chris Mortensen, the Mort Report. Titan starting left tackle Taylor Wan will have an MRI on Monday morning to determine if he indeed suffered a torn ACL that team physicians diagnosed early in the Titans-Texans game, as Jay Glazer reported earlier this evening. This is from Mort yesterday. So um, wins for both the Steelers and the Titans, but both teams might have lost somebody key. I'll tell you, I, I don't know how you... I never have guessed pickums this year, but this is kind of a pickum to me. I'll say pickum. Well, I like your number better. I see it. I see the Pittsburgh. Uh, I see Pittsburgh favorite anywhere from one and a half to two and a half. I got to tell mm-hmm. you, I my numbers come to pickum myself, and uh, and I'm sure I'll hear from the black and gold out there. You know, all <laughs> their fans tell me. Yeah, the power of negative thinking, Chris. Thanks a lot. You know, but uh, but I think this game's a real legitimate pick. That's, that's a big injury though at left tackle for the uh, Titans because you know they're gonna they're gonna have to pressure uh, Tannehill and they're gonna have to obviously stop the run with Derrick Henry. By the way, I made a little note here for guys. Some of you young guys out there might not remember Eric Dickerson, uh, kind of a forgotten running back, but a guy who had two thousand yards one year. Of, uh, you know, a Hall of Fame running back. Derrick Henry reminds me a little bit of Eric Dickerson. So if you want to get some film clips of Eric Dickerson, go take a look at him. Uh, I'm not ready to put Henry above Dickerson yet, but it's kind of that style of a running back. And uh, both are terrific. But I, I uh, this, this to me is a pick em game. So I'm going to open one and a half just because I, I see it as high as two and a half out there. So uh, I'm going to open one and a half and they'll probably bet me the Steelers and Listen, come Sunday morning, I'm sure I'll be rooting for the Steelers. But money-wise, uh, I think this game should be a pick. Uh, I hope people haven't forgotten about Eric Dickerson. But you know what? That's a great comparison. Derrick Henry is a bigger version yeah. of Dickerson in the sense that they both ran upright, right? They both ran yes. up tall and have a surprisingly unbelievable north-south speed. Not not guys who will who go in different directions quickly, but when they get out in the field, and you're like, oh, well, you, this guy will get caught. 
and it was amazing how they would never get caught. Both of these guys, you're like, how is Derrick Henry going to get to the house at that size? It was the same with Dickerson, except for that time that Daryl Green ran him down, but he ran down everybody. All right, one more. What do you got? Uh, Bears at the Rams. Bears at the Rams. Five and one versus four and two. The Bears are five and one. Paper Tiger, I guess, but man, they're still five and one. Foles yesterday in the win against the Panthers, 23 of 39 for 198. One touchdown, a pick, sacked zero times. Only 261 total yards of offense for the Bears. Uh, 10 penalties for 92 yards. They got to clean that up, but they were plus two in turnovers. And at five and one, that's the best start for the Chicago Bears since 2012. Brent Musburger said it on our podcast on the Megapod the other day. He was like, because a couple of us had the Panthers. He was like, beware of that Bears defense. And he did it in that Brent voice, so it had much more gravitas than it otherwise would have. Uh, the, the Rams yesterday lose, as we mentioned, to the uh, to the Niners. Goff, 19 of 38 for 198, two touchdowns, a pick, uh, sacked zero times. But again, when they were down 21 to 9, they were knocking at the door, and then he threw that pick on fourth down, and that was kind of it for the Rams. That was their most uh, credible chance in that ball game yesterday. I will say the Rams will be favored here, though, for all the reasons we've stated about the Bears time and time again, how so many of those wins could have just as easily been losses, though not yesterday. Uh, so I'll say the Rams, and I'll make it as high as six. How about that? It's five and a half and six. Uh, it's a little more five and a half. I like the five and a half a little better. Uh, the total here we're looking at is 46, which a decade ago would have been a high total. Now it's one of the lowest totals on the board for the uh, for Sunday's games. I'm trying to think. I think it's the second lowest total. Uh, so I think that this should be a pretty close game. So I'm going to stick with the five and a half here. Uh, but I, you know, what Brent says is true. That bear defense is really, really good. Now, the Rams, I know you've talked a couple times about that interception in the end zone. That kid for San Francisco, I forget his name. I know he's bounced around a little bit. He made an unbelievable play. That was a great interception. So, I mean, I'm the one that's not fault Goff because he should have read the defense a little bit better. But that kid made a fantastic play. But it was fourth down. I mean, Goff had to throw the ball in the end zone. I mean, you know, no sense in uh, you know, throwing it away or anything else and he didn't have a safe place to go but uh, I, I think the Rams still look pretty good I think they do but I, I like the lower number here just because I think it's going to be uh, a fairly low scoring game yeah I think you're talking about Jason Verrett also the Niners that's who it was Jason Verrett. yeah Jason Verrett I'm sorry yeah no that's okay uh, so what I like best in the end is I think I like San Francisco uh, at New England uh, what was your number there again uh, three Three, yeah, I think I like. But it's San... higher. I, I think it's yeah. three and a half. Yeah, yeah. If you give me the hook, I like San Francisco. I think I like Arizona against Seattle. And you know what, Chrissy? If Buffalo's only ten against the Jets, I may lay the ten. How about you? Well, it's eleven at my place. I can tell you that. I like uh, Carolina getting over seven. I like San Francisco, and we're going head to head. I like Seattle over Arizona. Ooh, Oppo. Well, that's why we do this. Yep. Chrissy, thank you that's as always. Family. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Chris, My pleasure. Chris Andrews, everybody, at Andrews Sports. Thanks for listening. Good luck with all your bets. Enjoy the doubleheader in football tonight from all of us at Visa, the Sports Betting Network.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.